0: Good morning, everyone. Glad you've chosen to worship with us this morning, whether here in person or with us online. My name is Brian Telzerow, and I have the privilege of preaching the Word of God this morning as we continue our series entitled, What We Are. And it comes from Dave Bass' book on uh, that same title, where uh, Paul, uh, in his letters to the church in Corinth in First and Second Corinthians, uses uh, several words to describe us And he says that we are to be co-workers, servants, stewards of God's mysteries, scum of the earth, aroma of Christ, commissioned agents, jars of clay, and ambassadors. Last week, we heard from Marsha Pratt, who talked about being co-workers. And today, I have the privilege of talking about being servants. From 1 Corinthians 3.18 to 4, verse 1. So, as we address this series as to what we are, I thought I'd take a moment to talk about a little bit about what we were. So, I grew up in a household of three brothers. So, there were four boys in our house, and I'm the second of four. And we lived in a neighborhood with all kinds of kids in our neighborhood. I mean, we did all kinds of stuff. We played games, we, we played kickball, we played softball, we rode our bikes around the neighborhood. Uh, we would leave the house in the morning and sometimes show up for meals. Um, but, uh, you know, we were eating at somebody's house somewhere and we knew we always had to show up by the time the street lights came on. Anybody remember that era? Yes. That's when we were, we were due back at the house. And so, again, a great place to just uh, be able to enjoy life uh, with a lot of kids around. And when you have a lot of kids around, uh, it's pretty common to get a nickname with your group of friends. So I wonder if you recall what nickname you may have received from your friends in the neighborhoods that maybe you grew up in, or maybe you didn't get to have a nickname. Well, with the last name of Telzerow, it came pretty quickly that our nickname became Tells. And um, with being the second of four boys, my older brother was really Tells. And I became, as the second one to distinguish between the two of us, I became Little Tells uh, as part of that. Uh, And we actually like that. Uh, The Tells nickname worked for us. We like that kind of thing. But uh, there was one guy in our circle of friends, though, that uh, did a little bit of a twist on Tells and started a kind of a new nickname that neither my brother nor I really liked. And at great risk, I'm going to tell you what that name was. (laughs) He started calling my older brother Toots. And of course, I became Little Toots, even worse. Um, but nevertheless, uh, we, we, fortunately, that name didn't really stick too long. So, it tells us of, um, I'm actually called by some of my closest friends even to this day. But uh, as I said earlier, we had a lot of friends in our, our uh, kids in our neighborhoods. So we played all kinds of games. Well, as I grew up, I kind of developed a little bit of a temper when it came to games, of really wanting to win and to strive and to succeed uh, in the stuff that we are doing. And some sociologists would say that anyone who is uh, maybe born or has red hair is prone to a little bit of a temper. And yes, I did grow up with a full head of red hair. Yeah, yeah. And you would think by now, uh, later in life, we'd kind of lose some of those kind of characteristics. But I must confess uh, that that little bit of a temper does rear its ugly head at times. Uh, It's what I least like about myself. Uh, But I look at myself as a work in progress in so many ways, trying to overcome those things in my world. So I wonder, what were you known for? What were you identified as? And how did your friends refer to you? As we look at today's scripture passage, uh, we'll see uh, what Paul wants us to be regarded as. And Annabelle is going to come now and read our scripture passage from 1 Corinthians 3 verse 18 through chapter 4 verse 1. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the word of life or death, and the present or the future are all yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. This, then, is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ, and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Annabelle. So Paul writes that people ought to regard us as servants of Christ, and as those entrusted with the mysteries of God. Well, we're going to look at those entrusted with the mysteries of God next week. I get to preach again next week. But today, we're going to look at what does it mean to be considered as servants of Christ. This is actually a very radical idea in Paul's time, uh, to be able to regard us ourselves as servants. But before we again look at what Paul says about what we're supposed to be, let's take a minute to look at what Saul was and how he was referred to. Now, over the last couple of months, we've spoken a fair amount about Paul's or Saul's conversion and his experience in Acts chapter 9. Saul was a Pharisee, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. And he wrote this in his letter to the church in Philippi. Saul was known as a destroyer of the church, a persecutor of believers. He breathed out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Saul stood by while Stephen was being stoned to death. I mean, not exactly a guy you want to have over for dinner. But after Saul's conversion, he gained a new nickname. There was a radical transformation that came in his life. He becomes Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Dave Bass writes in his book uh, these accolades of which Paul could have claimed because of the things that he accomplished. Prince of the apostles, the world's greatest evangelist, Missionary of the Gentile world, founder of the Christian church, author of the New Testament. But Paul of Tarsus was all of those things and more. He could, without much exaggeration, have used any of these high titles to describe himself. But Paul doesn't use any of those. Paul's nick- new nickname is most accurately pronounced as "Doulos Christu, a servant of Christ. In fact, most of his letters begin with Paul called as an apostle, meaning a sent one, with other letters like Romans beginning with Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul knows that he is not his own. Christ's followers no longer belong to themselves. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, the the sixth chapter You are not your own, you have been bought at a price. Now, in our society, in today's culture, many people's sentiment is, don't tell me what I can and cannot do with my own life. It's my life. I can do what I want with it. Well, again, Dave writes, but do we really belong to ourselves? Now, if there's no such thing as a God, then fine. Do whatever you want, whatever you can get away with. But if there is a God, if the creator of the universe is real, then he has the absolute right to tell every last one of us what we can and cannot do with our bodies, our minds, and with our whole being because he made us. Now, God's ownership of us is not just grounded in creation, but more so in our redemption through his love for each one of us. We have been bought by a price of his love. Therefore, we are not our own. We belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, because he has fully paid for our sins with his precious blood. And in so doing, he purchased us. He is now our Lord, our Master, and we are his servants, not his pawns, but his beloved children. All of us who claim Christ as our Lord and Savior should refer to ourselves as servants of Jesus Christ. We don't see many professional servants in our world today. Uh, A servant is defined as one who performs duties for others, especially a person employed in a house on domestic duties or as a personal attendant. Shows like Downton Abbey, The Sound of Music, The fresh prince of Bel-Air all gave us some kind of glimpses into that world, but we don't see it much. Is that what Paul is wanting us to embody? I wonder if it's something maybe a little different. Jesus gave us a different example. Jesus was approached by James and John, two of his closest friends. And they asked him, do whatever we ask of you. And that's a tall ask. You know, we want to ask something. Mom, dad hey, if I ask something, will you do what I ask? I said, well, it depends what you're asking. <laughs> uh, of course. Well, my competitive spirit gets what James and John are trying to do here because they know who they're with. They know and they say, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, let us sit at your right and your left hand. And Jesus responds to him in Mark 10. He says, when the 10 heard that these two had asked this, they became indignant with the two. Jesus called them together and said, "You know that those who regarded as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life. As a ransom for many. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus warns his followers not to follow the ways of the leaders of their times, who had been tempted to be thought of as higher than they ought. The greatest among you, he says, will be your servant, and those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We are to aspire to be servants. This is a game changer, folks. Especially in a world that aspires to rise to the top, to be our own boss, too many think of life as of a servanthood as a life of bondage. But the opposite is actually true. The paradox of the gospel is that Christ's service is actually perfect freedom. Dave writes again. Here is the fundamental problem with a contemporary hue and cry for personal autonomy. It's just not possible. Even if people uh, reject belief in God to whom they owe obedience, the idea that they are free to rule themselves is an illusion. Human nature does not allow this option because human beings are not free agents. Now, in 1979, the year I actually graduated from high school, uh, Bob Dylan wrote a song called You Gotta Serve Somebody. After becoming a believer and a follower of Jesus himself, I think we have the tune that you may recognize. The tune became very popular. Here's the first verse in chorus. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may be, may be like the gamble, you might like the dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world, You might be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Most of you could probably follow that chorus with me, couldn't you? Well, you know what? That song was a very popular song in its time, but it wasn't very popular with another very popular artist. John Lennon felt the song was embarrassing, and he wrote an antithesis to it. He wrote a song called Serve Yourself. Ain't nobody going to do it for you. Anybody know that song? Maybe some of us might have recognized it. I I encourage you to Google it. And just by listening to it, you might discover why it wasn't very popular or very familiar to us. But Dylan writes this song that we're going to have to serve somebody. Human nature is the true verification that we will have to serve somebody. It's in our nature. Substances, another person, another worldview perhaps, but we will all serve somebody. So the question remains is, who or what will that be For you. If you'll submit to becoming Christ's servant, you'll discover that you are truly free for the first time in your life. You see, we are set free both from and for freedom from the tyranny of the devil and free for the service of Christ. But there's just one thing about being a servant you have to serve. It seems that so few of us are actually living the servant life of serving Jesus Christ. Joshua, the prophet of the Old Testament, writes in Joshua 25, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the, uh, the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So again, this begs the question, what does serving the Lord look like in the year 2023? Simply put, I think it is serving anything to do with serving ourselves. If you put anything before serving others, we lose the freedom. Christ, Jesus, came to be served, or not to be served, but to serve, and he gave his life for others. We are most like Jesus when we serve those around us, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others and the well-being of others. A big part of serving is actually just showing up. Uh, And this last week is a demonstration of that. Many of you showed up to serve at VBS for the presentation of the gospel. It was a powerful demonstration, a great event to be a part of. But let's consider a few places where we can become more Christ-like in our service to others in our worlds. And I gotta start with the home. Parents and kids alike, it's a great place to put a test to our servitude in our own homes. Now, I have a friend of mine that tells a story. In our household, mom and dad would do the laundry. They would wash the clothes and whatnot, fold it and put it in a basket for each of their kids. And the basket would be placed at the stairs. And my friend shares a story of his son just peeling past those baskets, running up the stairs. And he watched him do it. He says, "Whoa, whoa, buddy, get your butt back down here. What do you think that is? Well, that's the laundry. And whose basket is that? Well, it's probably mine. Says, you don't ever disrespect us again by running past those baskets. You have been provided a service. Unite now to serve at least and move, put your clothes and put them neatly back in your dresser. Have fun with that one at home for a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It might entail loading and unloading the dishwasher or clearing the dishes, setting the table, turning the lights off, or even washing the car, taking out the garbage, cleaning the toilets. Or maybe if you're getting up to get something to drink, perhaps ask, hey, does anybody else need anything? Wow, what a concept. I lived in a household that my dad did that as a life practice. He was a consummate hospitality guy. He was always looking to serve and care for folks. It was a great testimony of his life as being and living as a servant, even in his own home. Well, be a servant, remembering that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And he gave his life for others. Service and serving is in the little things as much as it is in the big things. Another place that we consider outside the home might be the neighborhood. Perhaps uh, you could help your neighbor shoveling the snow. Fortunately, we don't have to do that this season. But maybe mowing the grass, or maybe bringing the garbage bins up from the road or back out to the garbage for someone that doesn't have the capacity to do so. Maybe bring over dessert or share a cup of coffee, or help with a house project, or perhaps help with their dogs. Look for ways to serve as a witness of Jesus love in your life, or maybe serving in the workplace. Um, this same friend who had this kind of uh, experience with his son was a man of principles. And one of the principles he would talk about is be a problem solver, not a problem avoider. And one of the exercises that he would do is he would create the opportunity for people to demonstrate the opportunity to serve and look for ways to help with things. And again, they used to have a popcorn machine in their uh, break room and uh, Steve, Steve would always pick up the popcorn and take care of that. Uh, And it was always fabelgasted. Well, why there was still popcorn sitting on the floor on the counter? Why aren't others doing so? And so he went through an exercise by dropping some pieces of paper around. You may have seen some when you walked in this morning. And I'm curious, did you see the piece of paper? And then secondly, did you do anything about it? Or was the sentiment, ah, that's not my job. That's somebody else's job challenge of even in the workplace is to say we're in this together and if we can do the little things of being able to serve folks in whatever roles that they're playing and be a problem solver as a problem uh, avoider the whole community wins if we come in with that kind of attitude Uh, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you it's not to be noticed, but to just do it. Be a problem solver, even at the workplace or in the home or wherever. Maybe even here at church. There's still a few pieces that are floating around here. Uh, some folks have seen those, and I told them to put them back. Let's see if anybody else kind of <laughs> jumps in on that. Mm. Uh, maybe perhaps at your school or with your friends. Volunteer to help in any way. When anything comes available, speak the truth to your friends and listen to the situations that they're going through. is a way to serve them. Go the extra mile to serve. Just as we hear a scripture, if you're asked to go one mile, go two. Go the extra level of consideration. Consider how you might be a better friend to those around you and how you might show up for them. I have a really good friend that's probably one of the longest known families I've had in my life, that this particular guy is the consummate servant. He is there to help in any situation. If somebody asks, he's going to be there. He's a great testimony and a witness to me by the way he lives his life that way. Perhaps you could also write a note, maybe a text or maybe a handwritten card, sending a thank you to a teacher, a counselor, administrator, or somebody that's done something special in our own circumstances. Some of you are good letter writers and card senders. That means a lot. That's a great way to serve in your circumstances. The little things like this are big things. So when we look back on the Apostle Paul's life, he transitioned from being a persecutor of believers, a destroyer of the church, breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples to becoming the chief evangelist, a missionary to the Gentiles, a servant of Jesus Christ. Radical change in his world. We too can see radical change in our lives by becoming a follower who actually serves. True freedom comes in service to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So, how, you would be, how will you begin to be more of a servant today? What change are you willing to make in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, with your friends, or perhaps at school? I want to encourage you to pick something this morning to say, I'm going to start doing that. Maybe it's just asking somebody at home, saying, hey, I'm grabbing something to drink. Do you want something? Or can I help with the dishes? Or just get up and do it without asking. Radical change. Be careful. You might have to pick up mom and dad or up off the floor uh, if you do something like that. Or a parent off the floor, or excuse me, a, a child off the floor because you've done something different Uh, in their world, to demonstrate that servant attitude in in your own life. And may the accolade be expressed about each one of us. When they talk about you as a person, oh, that person is such a servant. They're always willing to help. They go the extra mile to not be served, but to serve. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.